Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. You know, we were not created to be fearful. We were not created to function through a grid of fear. And so we must recognize that the creator, our God, is a God of love, correct? The creator. He doesn't just have love. He is love. It's who he is. And guess what? You and I were created in his image, correct? In fact, all of humankind, saved or unsaved, literally was created in their body, in their soul, and their spirit from a creator God who is love. That's why science is discovering that our brains, our bodies, every cell in our body was created to be loved and valued. They don't say the word creative. It just said we are wired for love. We are wired to be valued. Why? Because a God of love created us. This is huge. So when God created man and woman and he placed them in the garden, he created them to be powerful and to function in love. Opposite of fear. What? Where there is perfect and mature love, there is no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? What drives out fear? Love. The opposite of fear is love. We think the opposite of fear is faith. And it's good to have faith, but the fact is when we walk in a mature, perfect love, there is no room for fear. So on the inside of us, if I can not only know his love, but function with his love, then it will drive out fear. I don't have to be concerned about what you're going to think of me because I'm functioning out of love. And there's a security inside of me when things are good here and things are good here. It's very, very powerful to recognize how there is love and there is fear. And the moment we walk in fear, we know we are walking opposite of love. For God has not given us a spirit. The source of fear is demonic. I'm not saying every fearful thought you have is demonic. I'm saying every source of fear is demonic. It did not come from the Father. It did not come from the Creator. There is no good in fear. Come on. Fear is the most tolerated attitude in the church. Oh, man, somebody has some horrible sin. We jump all over that. They do this. Man, I'll tell you, the, the church world can be the most critical world. Yeah. Judging everybody because they're not perfect. But guess what? They're functioning opposite of love, which is contrary to the creator. Anything we do separate from love is fear-based and it's destructive. God has not given us a spirit of fear. What has he given us? See, fear is opposite of God, but he's given us power. That's God. God is all-powerful, correct? And we were made in his image, so guess what? To say that I am powerful is not pride. God is love, so guess what? We are love. God has a sound mind. He is all wisdom. He is all knowledge. He knows everything. And guess what? Because he created us, he created us with the ability to have a sound mind. Think about what Laura just shared. In the midst of hurting, she's walking in a peace. See, when you walk in peace, it drives out fear. Fear. 
It literally allows the creator God to function on the inside of us to its full capacity. We do the possible, he does the impossible. What is the possible? Choosing peace, choosing love. So what are we seeing in our world? We're not just seeing angry and and rage and violence and injustice. We're seeing all that stuff. But the source of all that evil is fear. There's one or the other, fear or love. God has not given us a spirit of fear because we are powerful. We are love. And when we do anything contrary to love, it's because we are afraid. If I can't be kind to Amanda, I am afraid. The problem is inside of me. If I gossip, the problem is inside of me. If I'm critical of you, the problem is inside of me. When I judge you harshly, the problem is inside of me. Come on, guys. Fear isn't just about, oh, I'm afraid. I'm going to have a bad dream. Oh, you know, the enemy's lying that this is going to happen. Yes, that is an aggressive fear. We know what aggressive fear feels like. Come on, guys. But there are so many passive hidden fears, and we might even think it looks like love. Well, if I don't do this, somebody's going to think I'm not loving. So I do it obligatorily because I don't want to appear unloving when in actually I'm functioning in fear, not in love. So when we can begin to dismantle all the hidden ways, the deceptive ways that sabotage our emotional health, guess what? We can truly walk in a purity of love that changes the world, ushers in revival, and disciples those who get saved. Because we're not going to be moved by what they do. Oh, you know what they do? You know their actions? Guess what? You're not responsible for them. Remember, we are only powerful over ourselves and over our resources, but we have no power over another human being. And when we step in to have power in a, where, in a way that we were not created to have power, we will feel powerless. We will feel fearful because if you don't change the way I want you to change, then I feel powerless and I feel out of control. And guess what? You should be out of control because God didn't create you to control somebody else. But when we walk in a pure love, we are faithful to be and do what God's called us to do, absent of fear. And you might be critical of me, you might gossip about me, but guess what? It will not absorb into my spirit. Why? Because I know my motive. I know I functioned out of love. I did not function out of fear. Fear sabotages us from touching lives. We are powerful, we are love, and we have a sound mind. Whenever you feel powerless, it is fear-based. You begin to act opposite of who you were created to be. When you don't have a sound mind, you're functioning opposite of who you were created to be. Okay, guys, you ready? Let's talk about the effect of fear. So the effect of fear causes us to be opposite, remember? Opposite of who we were created to be. So wherever there is fear, we function in a perversion of our identity. So let's look at some of the faces. Look at that face up there. Do you ever feel that way at time? Okay. All right. Some of the faces are anxiety. Worry. Do you realize worry is yielding to the kingdom of darkness? Worry and anxiety, stress, all negative stress is fear-based. Now, there is a stress called eustress. And eustress is a type of adrenaline rush that empowers you to do and to accomplish. For instance, when the football players play today, 
and that quarterback throws that football, there is Eustace being released from the quarterback, and there is Eustace uh, being released to all the other players, either to tackle or to get the ball and run for the touchdown. This is not a negative stress. This is an adrenaline, an ability that's in the inside of us to do something that is valuable. All right? And so just because you might feel the stress of that, it's not a negative one. But all negative stress usually comes from the way we think. And it's fear-based. Every time, once again, that you feel powerless, it is fear-based. First of all, you have to discern, discern, is this something I have power over? And if I do, then I get rid of fear. If I don't, then I choose peace. Remember, powerful people change what they can and choose peace in what they cannot. We sabotage our emotional health so much. Somebody says, well, I'm afraid. Come here, Danny. Danny's afraid. Oh, Danny's afraid. No, you're afraid. Come on, let's take authority over that. Come on, let's change the mindsets. Let's deal with the attitudes. What are you thinking that is contrary to the way God created you to be? Man, we need to war against fear because it sabotages us. Now, if that was Danny and he's saying, okay, let's take Laura. Okay, this is a season of hurt. There's love, there's compassion, there's healing, but it's not fear. It's not torment of the enemy. It's just a loss. But in that, it's not grieving as man grieves because there's hope. Because you're serving a loving God. And guess what? We live our lives for all of eternity. Now, some of you young whippersnappers, you know, you got a long way. But I'm looking and saying, you know, look at Grammy. She's 95. She doesn't have as long in this earth as I do. And guess what? I don't have as long in this earth as some others do. Isn't that right? And so I guess as you get older, you just begin to recognize, you know, we have made mountains out of molehills. And I think as we grow and mature, we be, should become less fearful, not more fearful. Come on. See, fear hinders our thinking. And everything begins with a thought. Every decision you make, every attitude you have, every emotion you feel, every action you take, it begins with a thought. And so where does fear hit? It hits our thought life. Everything begins with a thought. And so fear negatively affects our thoughts, and it negatively affects our memory-building process. And I won't go into the science of it, but every neural networking in my brain, according to neuroscience, is either fear-based or it's hope-based. Either it's life or it's death. Either it's healthy or it's unhealthy. There's only two types of thoughts. And even if you think about it, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, one thought, one camp, but of power, love, and a sound mind, that's the other camp. There's only two types of thoughts we have. I'm not being critical of anybody who's had fears because I had enough of my own. But the fact is, when we recognize how fear functions, when there is revelation, there's an ability for application. And when I can begin to apply that truth and begin to change the way I think and change my memory base, then even in the midst of very difficult things, guess what? I am able to separate my emotion from my belief. Isn't that right? I know in whom I believe, and I know what I believe, no matter what I feel. And my mindsets will change the way I feel. Do you ever preach yourself a sermon? Good. Now you have to listen and obey your sermon, right? So fear hinders thinking. 
Now, how many of you remember when you were in school, you studied so hard to take that test, and when you went to take the test, you like bombed it, you couldn't think of the answer, and you're going, I know this, I know this, I know this, but when the test came, I couldn't think of it. What was that? It was fear. And according to science, when we walk in fear, it literally coats the neural network. It's like little uh, crystals that go on the neural networking so your brain does not fire. That's why fear causes us to do crazy things and act in crazy ways. Why? Because our brain is not firing on all cylinders. <laughs> all right? That's science. And what happens when there's fear, it releases negative fear-based chemicals into every cell in our body. You know, every thought I ha have affects every DNA strain in my body. We talk about generational curses. The sins of the fathers visited unto the children to the third and fourth generation. Really, what were the sins? It was mindsets. It was attitudes. It was ways of thinking and believing and acting, and, right? And it's affected us from generation to generation. But to those that love God, to those who reject fear, to those that allow his nature to be planted in our brain, in our mind, in our thinking, Guess what? It begins to change the very DNA strand. Oh, for everyone who does not have babies that wants to have babies, use your brain to think on those things that are good and pure and perfect and lovely and of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, those are the things you think on because when you think on them, it literally causes the DNA of your body to align with truth. You know what? Generational curses are already broken. That's why what we do in that nursery in the first three years of their life, four years of their life is so important. Why? Because they're coming in and as babies and as their brains are forming, they are being spoken truth and the word of God and life and driving out those things that would sabotage their way of thinking. And you know what's happening? Generational things are already being broken off because their thought processes are aligning with heaven. This is why peace can physically heal our body. What's the Bible say? Fear has torment. Whether it's subconscious or conscious, it is tormenting to every cell in our body. Some of you are looking at me scared. Come on. It's okay. And see, what it is, is you recognize the fears, right? When I recognize them, I can overcome them. Actually, in my journey of, of fighting fear, uh, I started getting excited every time God revealed to me a fear I had. I go, yes, thank you. I didn't know that was fear. Yay, now I know I won't do that anymore. So when there was revelation, what? You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free, right? And I remember when God showed me, and he says, Melody, you loved, you know, I was always into young people. Laura, that's why her mom said, go up to Melody, because I was into young people. But see, I loved them so much that I wanted them to serve God. I loved them so much that I would give my life so that they could be successful. And if they did some crazy things, I would just say, I'm going to love them, I'm going to love them. But you know what that love was? It wasn't real love. It was fear-based. Because if I don't do that, what if they backslide? If I don't do this or I don't do that, oh my gosh, if they walk away from the Lord, it's my fault. Did something ever bad happen and the first thing you think, I should have done this. I should have done that. So, so often we do things 
Because we're so afraid of not pleasing God, not walking in love, not walking in wisdom, that we literally sabotage ourselves through fear because we're so afraid of doing something stupid, of making a mistake, of not loving enough, not being kind enough. Oh, people open their ears to gossip because they don't want to be mean to that person. We don't have to be mean, but you don't have to listen to the gossip. In fact, if you listen to it, it negatively affects you. And that person is getting a dopamine high on releasing that and it's sabotaging them. So really, you're so concerned about what they're going to think of you that you allow something that's destructive to you and every person that person talks to and who they talk about. And that's science there, which I won't go into because I'm getting off track. Okay, let me get back on track. Next slide. Fear has always been the enemy's strategy. See, fear puts a pressure on us to focus on ourselves. If I saw a snake come into this room, I, I wouldn't be thinking about you. I'd be thinking about me, and I'd be running, right? When I feel afraid, I'm, I'm thinking, guess what? When you are afraid, you're thinking about you. Come on, now you think about it. Even if you're afraid for somebody else, you're thinking about how you feel. Come on. Oh, Stephen ate some sugar. Oh my gosh. And oh, I don't want him to do that. You know what we went through this year? Oh, don't do that. Don't eat gluten. Don't do that. You know? And you know what? Fear. And is the fear? Yeah, it might be a little bit. But I don't want to be without my husband. So I want to control his eating so I don't lose him. But am I powerful to do that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> do you see how fear touches us and we can even justify it? And what do men hate more than anything is when their wife nags them, right? Because fear puts pressure on us to be self-focused. I stop nagging him about his office. I just wait till he leaves and I clean it up. Isn't that right? That's right. Because <laughs> see, when we are self-focused, we live and think and function in a way of taking and getting rather than contributing. It's what I need. It's what I want. What I've got to get. And when either we're doing one or the other, we're taking and getting or we're contributing and giving. One side or the other. And whenever I get into a taking, getting mode, I am fear-based. Do I have needs? Yes, I have needs. But if my motive and my, and my drive is to take and to get, it is driven by fear. What do kids say? What about me? What about me? What about me? Right? And they're so afraid their siblings are going to get something they're not going to get. What about me? It's about taking and getting, which is fear-based. But you know what's so amazing? When we live a life of contribution, when we live a life of sowing and planting and giving, you know what happens? It drives out all fear. Because my agenda is not to take and get. My agenda is to give. And when I give and I contribute, spiritually and scientifically speaking, it instantly feeds back into Melody Hilton. That's why when you do the right thing, you feel good. Did you ever do something really awesome for somebody? It feels so good, doesn't it? It's because instantly it feeds back into your brain. It releases emotional health. It affects every DNA strand in your body. Do you see why the enemy wants to torment us with fear? Because instantly that feeds back and it begins to negatively affect us. It's not just about being a positive thinker. It is about walking in love. It is about contributing. So the fact is, if I focus on contributing... Say, well, I'll be taken advantage of. 
You don't have to be taken advantage of. If you know you're honoring God, you know how to draw healthy boundaries. Come on, guys. But we're not going to draw a boundary out of fear. We're going to draw a boundary out of love. We're going to draw a boundary out of honoring God, valuing ourselves, and valuing others. Wait till January to see what we get to unpack, okay? So the fact is fear causes us to live by default rather than by design. God created us. He designed us to function in such a way that brings life to us, correct? But when we're driven by fear, we are reacting. We are explosive, the fight or flight, I'll get to it later, or maybe I missed it. Fight or flight or freeze, you know, we, we react in crazy ways. We don't want to live by default. We just don't want to live our life reacting to everything that happens to us. We want to have, what is God's design in this situation? We'll go out with joy, and we'll be led forth with peace. What leads us? How often are we led by fear? Well, if I don't do this, I'm afraid of what will happen. Oh, my gosh. i got to shake everybody's hand in the church. If I don't shake, I hug. i got to hug everybody. Because if I don't hug them this week, they might leave and never come back. You know what? That hug means nothing. Because it's driven by fear. Because you know what fear does? It divides relationships. Because now I'm focusing on what affects me, my self-protection. Oh, when we got married, his self-protection was the silent treatment. He didn't yell at me. I am. See what happens when you sit in the front row? (laughs) The silent treatment. I'm just getting real. He doesn't care. Okay. And what happens, it separates relationships, right? Wherever there's fear, it separates. So it weakens our ability to work together. It weakens our ability to partner together. See, that's why we want to be a safe church. That's why we are a gossip-free zone. That's why we are a prejudice-free zone. Why? Because wherever there is fear, you cannot work together in purity. But guess what? When fear is driven and each person has the freedom to be really who they are and not be afraid of the response of someone else, even if you make a mistake, well, hey, we all do that. It's all right. Even if they, guess what happens? Then we really function together collectively in such a way that builds the kingdom of God, not just in what we do, but what we have. Everything in the kingdom first begins with our relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship, out of that identity, it affects what I do. And so guess what? If we are who God called us to be internally, we will be what he's called us to be externally. Katie's big word, connection. You know, we thought that was just Katie, but that was a prophet speaking that. Just this week, I sent her a video of Mike Bickle. They do this big, big, big conference every year. Like 10,000 people come uh, to Kansas City. And they're stopping after this year. They're stopping doing that conference. And the reason is, is they're going to focus on the connection of those in their ministry. They're going to invest their time into building and connecting their family. It really touched me. I sent it over to Katie. Hey, get a load of this. This is what God's speaking. I believe he is getting rid of the fear and connecting us so deeply internally, not just so we feel better, but so that we can be built together in such health that we are ready for the harvest. The biggest deterrent to people getting saved or serving God is Christians. You know, the world knows exactly how a Christian's supposed to act. Oh, and you say you're a Christian. 
They know. If the world knows how a Christian's supposed to be, you know, I've just written my book. It's coming out in a couple months on prejudice. But you know what? They said, were you going to do a biblical edition? I go, no. If Christians don't know that prejudice and bias and assumption and gossip and slander is ungodly, we're in a problem here. Now, I'll preach it to the church, but the fact is, it is biblically foundational because we recognize prejudice is fear and ignorance. Any opinion we have without facts, without, no, no, let me get rid of facts. Any opinion we have without truth is prejudice. You know, we need to look at each other and just give each other grace. Come on. You're a human being. I'm a human being. I remember, we've been pastoring a lot of years, and I remember I had to be perfect. I would practice sermons. I would look up big words so I sounded smart. I did all kinds of things so that I would be acceptable to people. Oh, it is so freeing to focus on just pleasing my God, right? Honoring my God and honoring you. Isn't it wonderful? How healing is this? Well, you know, if he would do all this for me, I would be happier. Come on. I have to be happy inside. I have to make a choice how I'm going to live. And then guess what? Whatever he gives is celebrated. Whenever we look to the external situations or people to cause us to feel loved and valued, we are placing our attention in the wrong place. Come on. When we can work from love rather than for love. If I can serve from a place of value rather than for you to value me, do you see how it eradicates fear? There's no fear in that at all. Because my actions are a choice that I've made. It's not based upon your response. You guys okay? I thought I'd hear some amens or like smiles, but I'm trying not to make this heavy. Like this is just like a drop in what I teach on this stuff. So I'm like, (laughs) see, fear literally twists heaven's reality. It'll take truth and twist it. Come on. And it'll twist your perception about who you are. When you believe lies about you, it'll keep you locked in fear. You won't be able to see who you are clearly. You will never feel fulfilled in anything you do. You'll live a life medicating yourself in comforts. Give me half gallon ice cream. I can't take this anymore. Oh, we have to go on vacation. Do you know what? I, well, I'm not into vacations. Uh, Aaron's into vacations. Okay. And she has helped our family celebrate vacations. So I'm very thankful for that. But we don't go on vacation to escape life. We go on vacation to enjoy relationships. Come on. Whatever we do to escape perverts its purpose. Its purpose. That's why I eat the half. I don't eat the half gallon, but why I'd like to eat the half gallon of ice cream. I'm escaping into something, right? God has never called us to escape. He's called us to walk in a peace that brings a stability and a strength to who we are. Okay, that was the introduction. All right. <laughs> So today, and I'll do this really quick, okay? And I've already gone to, oh my goodness, help me Jesus. Okay, let's go in to understanding the levels of fear. I'm going to give you something today that you're going to be able to apply to your life instantly. And I believe it can transform the way you think. There are three stages of fear. First one's sociological. Don't get caught up in the big words. Sociological fear, then physiological fear, uh, or psychological fear, and then our deepest fear. So let me go into those. See, we have to recognize, um, this is the introduction to that. I'll go through it fast. And you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, mind, will, and emotions, right? Thoughts. With all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. See, God's saying, you got to deal with your soul. Come on, guys. You got to deal with your soul. You got to deal with your mind. You got to love me more than anything else, right? It's a commandment. And it's not an arduous commandment, even though it might be difficult. It's a commandment that sets us up for life, all right? And the second, okay, have it right here. And the second is namely this, that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we're going to get into this in January. It's very hard to love somebody else if you don't love yourself. In fact, when you see people being critical of others, it's because there's something inside of them they don't like about them. There's no other commandment greater than these. You know, it doesn't say thou shalt not kill. It doesn't say these big sins. Oh, and I'd like to list a bunch. The church gets so caught up in people's sin. Leave it alone. Let them walk out their own salvation in fear and trembling. Let's focus on valuing people. Man, when I was a sinner, Jesus loved me enough that he invaded my sinful world, this young alcoholic's world, this angry, I could curse better than the sailors. And I married a sailor, so I know how sailors curse, all right? <laughs> not you. No, not him. Actually, he was gentle. That's what caused me to love this guy. He was in... But I dated some other sailors, all right? And um, Okay, let's get back. So, we're wired, okay, let me just go on. Let's just go to sociological fear. We'll just skip all that stuff for time's sake. Let's look at sociological fear. What do they think of me? Sociological fear is in my social world I'm focused on what other people think of me. This is fear, guys. What do they think? What's, what's Rachel thinking right now? I don't want them to be upset with me. Come on. Oh, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to do the wrong thing. What will people think of me? Come on, guys. I don't want them to believe I'm selfish. I don't want them to believe I'm unloving. Oh, my goodness. If Melody is, thinks I'm being unwise or selfish, oh, my gosh, I don't want her to believe that about me. Come on. That's sociological fear. We need to confront that. What's the Bible say in Jeremiah 1.8? Do not be afraid of their faces. That's why we have got to value one another so much that there is no fear in our re relationship. <gasps> What's Danny going to think? You know what? If Danny thinks something, he can talk to me. And if he doesn't have the courage to talk to me, he's got to deal with that inside of him. That's why going through the grapevine is destructive. But when we dismantle fear, it liberates us. It liberates relationships. Don't be afraid of your, their faces. Look at this one. The fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap for you. It'll set you up for failure. You will not make healthy decisions because you're more concerned about what man thinks than what God thinks. I live that because I was prophetic before it was popular. And I'd get up, and I'd have words of knowledge. Or, and, and people would get up, and they would get healed. And then a whole group would complain about Melody controlling the service. So I was so afraid to talk. I was so afraid. And I'd lay hands on people, and I could feel the power of God going through me. It was awesome. But every time I was criticized, and I began to adopt Living a life. You know, before I got saved, I was not afraid of any man's face. I wasn't afraid of it. I get saved, and I come in to church, and suddenly I'm all concerned about the opinions of men and the look in their faces. Oh, I remember people sitting there with their arms crossed and just glaring at me back in those days. Oh, it's just so good to be free. Anyway, 
You know what that was? I became powerless. I gave them power over me. God didn't do it. The devil didn't do it. I did it. It became a trap for me. And there was two years that I lost the sense of his presence for two years. When I pray for somebody, it was like putting my hand on a piece of wood. There was nothing. And I'll never forget the day when the Spirit of God fell on me and I hit the floor. And I felt the power of God surging through my body. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I'm restoring to you the thing you despised. I was more concerned about what the church folks felt than what God called me to do and to be. And I'll never forget, I got off of that floor making a decision, says, I don't care who walks out that door. I don't care what we lose. I will not go without his presence another day. And that scripture says, oh God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. That was so real to me. Now I look and I see that in my eyes, we have the greatest family in the world. I'm telling you, living without fear and valuing one another is the most successful thing we could ever do. If I do not confront this fear, this sociological fear, if I don't confront it, it will go to a deeper fear. But if I confront it on this level, it will not go to the next stage. So whenever you think, oh, what's Reuben gonna think? Stop it, I will not be controlled by a fear of man. And it has nothing to do with Reuben, it has to do with me. So I must confront it here, and when I confront it here, it will never go to the psychological level. If I don't, if I am controlled by the fear of man, then it'll go, whoops, it'll go to the psychological level. What if something is wrong with me? Now there's the self-doubt. Now there's that negative. Everyone hates the word uh, self-assessment. Oh, that's just why well, so selfish. No, it's not. I need to determine what my thoughts are. I need to determine, am I in fear or am I in faith? And the fact is, if I don't deal with the sociological fear, then in that psychological place, I'm going to think, well, maybe I am this, and maybe this is true. Oh, my goodness, uh, there is something faulty or flawed about me. Oh, I guess maybe, you know, I don't have this ability or I don't have that ability. And what's the Bible say? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you believe about you is how you're going to make your decisions. If, you'll if you feel you're unloving, you're going to act unloving. If you feel selfish, you're going to do selfish things. So the fact is, whatever you believe about you is what you're going to do. Because you think that's who you are. Man, I lived too many years of my life in shame thinking, what is wrong with Melody? Melody is not good enough. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not called. Maybe I am disrupting the service. Maybe I am controlling. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not relational. Maybe, maybe is that true? Maybe I'm not. And when I'd hear the things said about me, I'd take them and I'd absorb them. And now I'm in this depths of psychological fear. And see, all thinking comes before believing, and all believing comes before action. So what I think, I will ultimately believe, and what I believe, I will do. We got to confront it in that very first thought. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound, disciplined, controlled mind. But now, in this place... I can choose to reject this fear. If I feed on this psychological fear, it'll go to what we call 
the deepest fear. And this deepest fear is, I am loving, unloving. I am not good enough. I am faulty, I'm flawed, I'm no good. I'm selfish, I'm irresponsible. I'm lazy, I'm a workaholic. I mean, you can go neither end. <laughs> now, see, it's what we put on the other side of I am that literally shapes what I believe. I am no good. That shapes what you believe about you. I am a failure. That shapes what you believe. What we believe literally positions what we do for success or for failure. And then what happens, now I embrace a false reality, which is shame, a false identity. And when there is a false identity, then there's fear, which is a false reality. I'm not looking through the grid of truth. I'm looking through the grid of a lie. And when there's a false identity and a false reality, there is false actions. And I begin to do the opposite of who I am. And so we must recognize that we must feed our soul. Our spirit man, your spirit man is born again. Old things are passed away. All things have become new, man. Your spirit man is limitless. But the Bible says we have to renew our mind. We have to change the way we think. Even when you look at the repent, repentance, say, oh, you got drunk? I'll tell you, you better repent. You better repent. No, repent means change your way of thinking. We jump on what people do rather than focus on what they're believing. Guess what? When they start believing who they really are, it'll change what they do. When I was younger, my eyes screwed up so big. Hey, keep on screwing up. I did stupid things long enough. Hey, that's, that's the way Melody is. There was a lot of renewing of this mind that needed to take place, and it took a lot of years. So I have. Who here does not have access to a computer or doesn't know how to use a computer? Be honest, just, okay. We, we print it out. Everybody else can go and print out your own <laughs> or go online. Is there anybody else that doesn't do computer? Who? And, okay, here we go. You want to hand that back to Sandra? And I have a couple more up here. Um, but what we want, I want you to begin to feed on who you are. I encourage you to go to our website because we have decrees. And this is identity statements, but we also have identity prayers. Do you realize when you feed yourself on who you really are, it will begin to dismantle fear in your life. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you are positioning us in our soul, in our thoughts, and our mindsets to align with heaven in such a way that we are free from fear and walk in the fullness of our identity. Oh, Lord, the creativity that is released when there is no fear, the joy that is experienced when there is no fear, the rest and the peace and the confidence in who you are and who you are in the midst of us is so powerful when there is no fear. And Lord, we all have invitations for fear, but today we make a decision to reject those invitations. We embrace the invitations from love, and we reject the invitations from fear in Jesus' name. And I went longer than I wanted to, which is normal for Melody, but if you would just like prayer, um, actually what I really wanted to do, and, and we can dismiss if you, thank you. Uh, but i just like to just lay hands on anyone who desires that. Because I'm believing that there will be, you know, the Bible says when you decree a thing, it shall be established. And though God does not have power over you, do you know that? 
He gave you power. He gave you the power to yield to him. God doesn't control us. I remember one time somebody came up and said, Melody, you're so controlling. And I said, oh, if I was controlling, you'd be in church, you'd pay your tithes, you know, you wouldn't gossip, you know, and I gave them a list and they go, oh, okay. So God is already on your side. And I believe when we decree things, even though there isn't the power to make you do it, I believe there is a grace that is released when we lay hands on someone. Grace means the Holy Spirit's influence upon the heart that is reflected in the life. So when there's greater measures of grace, there's greater measures of revelation. And when there's revelation, it's easy to partner with that revelation or easier when that revelation is there in that grace. So if that's you, I would just love to lay hands on you. If not, you uh, are dismissed. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. And Lord God, I just thank you. You can just come up whenever you want to. Father, right now, I just thank you and praise you, Lord God, that as I lay hands on those that desire, I thank you that peace is coming to their soul, peace is coming to their bodies, peace is coming to their way of thinking and believing and acting according to who you created them to be. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the Holy Spirit invading the atmosphere over each person's life right now, in Jesus' name, and I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.